Coming up on Stu Does America, Andrew Cuomo is really doing a number on himself and thusly his own state. We'll talk to actual living New Yorker Brian Sack about his failure of a governor and some creepy stuff going on in Germany in terms of government surveillance of political opposition. Talk to Blaze TV's Jason Buttrell about the issue and how far off America might be from the same thing. Happy Friday, everyone. You've made it. Congratulations. It's time to celebrate by subscribing to our YouTube channel and podcast and liking all of our content, even this video right now. Just do it before you forget or I say something to piss you off. Find all the links you need at stewdoesamerica.com or celebrate by treating yourself to a Blaze TV subscription. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Okay, we knew Andrew Cuomo was up to shady business. I mean, a freaking chimpanzee could have told you that by now, but I never suspected it was going to be this bad. Let's survey the self-destruction and do Cuomo's cover-up. Stu does America. I guess the question is, do I want to do a show about Andrew Cuomo every freaking day? Is that what I want my life to turn into? Do I want to talk, turn into a host that sits here and blabs about the same topic every single night? And the answer to that is, no, I don't want to become that person, but I feel I must, at least for the short time. I mean, am I happy that the thing that we've invested all this coverage in over the past year has turned into the biggest news story in America? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy, a little bit, maybe. Am I happy to uh, that maybe people like Janice Dean and their and her family are going to get some justice and accountability for some of the stuff? I'm really happy about that possibility, though. Again, I still sit here as a very jaded person and somewhat believe that none of this is going to lead to anything. But that doesn't mean we don't try to hold them accountable ourselves. And I say I will say we come a long way together. You know, we've been talking about this stuff for a long time. You sat here hearing me blab on about it. You've been writing me stuff. Uh, I've seen all, a lot of your uh, comments and tweets and, and Facebook comments and everything. Um, uh, some of these have led to really good leads of, of directions. We've been able to find interesting material on Andrew Cuomo. We always uh, really encourage you to, if you've if you got an angle like that, please send it our way so we can steal your work and take credit for it. Uh, so let's kind of look at what we have here, because this has been a terrible week for Andrew Cuomo. I mean, the whole thing sort of started collapsing this week. So I want to give you kind of an outline of just what's happened in the last 24 hours. I can't even keep this to one topic now with Andrew Cuomo because there's so much going on. Now, remember our little guidelines here as to how do you take down a prominent Democrat? Prominent Republicans, easy. How do you take down a prominent Democrat uh, when it comes to a scandal? Now, this is how you, do, you need at least these three steps to happen. Number one, you need a major media source to be on board for the criticism. It can't just be The Blaze or Breitbart or Daily Caller or Daily Wire. It's got you got to have a New York Times, a Washington Post, a Miami Herald. You need somebody uh, who's big like that uh, starting, uh, at least getting on board. They certainly didn't start this coverage, but at least they're on board. Uh, you need to give uh, the Democrats and the media an exit ramp from their previous praise. This is a tough one for people to take because a lot of people say this to me. They say, I can't believe that Andrew Cuomo might go down because of these sexual harassment allegations when he's been doing these terrible things to people and killing people all over his state for the past year. And that's an understandable instinct. But you have to understand the mind of the left. You have to understand the mind of the media. They have invested so much 
in Andrew Cuomo and what a wonderful person he was, what an incredible governor he was, how he was handling this better than everybody else. Ron DeSantis, you know, Greg Abbott, all these other crazy right wing governors, uh, Christy Noem, they're all evil bastards. We have the good governor up here in New York. And they said that for an entire year. They can't just abandon that. They can't just say, oh, we were wrong all that time. Sorry about it. They need to find an exit ramp to be able to leave Andrew Cuomo uh, and actually criticize him like he should be criticized. And that is, I think, what we're seeing right now with the harassment scandals. Um, And, of course, uh, other Democrats. Um, This is a big thing. You need Democrats turning on him, not just Republicans, not just his opponents. You see, these people can hang on. You know, like, uh, what's his face uh, in... Um, You didn't have all three of these for uh, the guy in uh, Virginia with the blackface scandal. You didn't get all three of these. You need all three of them for this to actually happen, uh, at least. And that's just the beginning. The New York Times has done really good reporting over the past uh, couple of weeks uh, on Andrew Cuomo. I know it's hard for us to say it, but I'm going to say it and I'm going to say I'm happy about it. Uh, Their latest piece is called Cuomo AIDS rewrote nursing home report to hide higher death toll. This is probably the worst thing that we have seen out of the scandal so far that has been really confirmed. Uh, This is this is not just the crime. This is the cover up. Let me give you a little taste of this. A report written by state health officials has just landed had just landed and it included a count of how many nursing home residents in New York had died in the pandemic. The number more than 9000 by that point in June was not public and the governor's most senior aides wanted to keep it that way. They rewrote the report to take it out, according to interviews and documents reviewed by The New York Times. The extraordinary intervention, which came just as Mr. Cuomo was starting to write a book on his pandemic achievements, was the earliest act yet known in what critics have called a months long effort by the governor and his aides to obscure the full scope of nursing home deaths. As the nursing home report was being written, New York State Health Department's data contained in it a chart reviewed by the Times. So they saw this chart that was included in a draft. They saw the draft put the death toll roughly 50% higher than the figure being cited publicly by the Cuomo administration. Now, you may know, if you were watching this program uh, for this entire year, we continually told you uh, a number around 50% higher than we thought was uh, the probable landing place for this. It wound up being, I think, 56 or 58% uh, higher than they actually uh, informed people. Uh, this is a number that had been bouncing around with some of uh, our sources. At this point, we have a lot of people who are really you know, highly involved in this that we talk to pretty regularly. And this number of 50 percent was common to come up. Uh, this was a known thing. Obviously, the Cuomo administration knew it. I think all the journalists around in New York knew it. I think the Democrats knew it. But they were hoping they could kind of push this down the road. Again, you push you just keep pushing that uh, you you push that date down the road. You can pay for that later. You know, it's I'll gladly bring uh, uh, pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. It's basically what they're doing. They're kicking the, the can down the road. Um, a little more from The New York Times. The aides who were involved in changing the report included Melissa DeRosa. You'll remember her. She was the woman who uh, did the conference call that got caught uh, by uh, Ron Kim and others. Uh, saying, look, you know, this is uh, we they gave that kind of initial excuse once they had admitted this and said, we just didn't want Donald Trump to tweet mean things about us. And we were worried about the federal investigation. Now, when that's your argument to a scandal, you are in a bad place. You don't want your argument to be. Yeah, we were just trying to hide it from the Department of Justice. 
That's not a good defense. It shows you how bad of a, of a position they're in. When they are saying, like, don't, don't worry, not a big deal. We just wanted to hide, hide it from the president and the Department of Justice, and we were scared of mean tweets. That's not a good position to be in. Uh, it goes on. Uh, also, Lindy, uh, Linda Lacewell, uh, head of the state's Department of Financial Services, Jim Malatros, a, a former top advisor for Mr. Cuomo, brought back on to work on the pandemic. None had public health expertise. Let's stop here for a second. Think of what would have happened if uh, Donald Trump had this going on, where you had a, a full-scale report about the pandemic, and then you had people like, you know, uh, Jason Miller going in there and editing the report. You know what I mean? Someone with no public health experience going in there and editing the, you know, the Dr. Fauci stuff out, right? We all know that th- this was being accused of Trump all the time, and they wanted to throw him out of office because of it. This is a situation where they were actually caught doing it. Think of this for a minute. They were caught doing it, taking a, a scientific report and pulling out negative information, and then... In addition to that, it wasn't just doing it this one time. They then hit it for a year. So they knew this number all the way back then. We didn't know for sure if they knew that number. We thought they did. We now know it for sure, according to the New York Times. Um, uh, Last uh, clip, and this is maybe the, the one that was the most amazing to me. This is a quote from Andrew Cuomo. I am now thinking about writing a book about what we went through, Mr. Cuomo said, four days after the report's release his first public comments about a possible book. By that point, he was already seeking formal approval from a state ethics agency to earn outside income from book sales, according to a person with knowledge of his planning at the time. So why are they taking this uh, really bad number out of the report in New York? Do you think it's a coincidence that four days later he started talking about his book? If that number had come out right then, he wouldn't have been able to go out and talk about his book and brag about what a wonderful job he did. You know, I mean... I still, I still got it down here. I keep it down here for good keeping, right on the floor. There it is. Yeah, let me put it the right way. There we go. Andrew Cuomo's book. Uh, another, I mean, think of what this has done. I mean, he manipulated the entire state just to sell this stupid piece of crap. And it's this type of thing that, I mean, certainly, did anyone read this? This is just a money grab. No one read this thing. He wasn't. I mean, this is just a money grab. He got paid a ton of money because he was popular and he had to protect that bulletproof uh, persona at that time or it was going to go away. Now, this is a little bit different than what we see with uh, the sexual harassment scandals. Totally different uh, situation. There was an interview uh, last night with uh, with one of his main accusers. Um, Ms. Bennett, uh, and I thought she came off as pretty credible. I want to take a break. We're going to do some other stuff. I want to come back and give you that here in a few minutes right here on Stu Does America. Governor Cuomo said that he has never propositioned anybody. Do you believe that he was propositioning you? Yes. For what? Sex. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Pretty clear there. Uh, Charlotte Bennett is the person you just heard from. Uh, Charlotte Bennett was the second accuser, I believe, of Andrew Cuomo. Uh, uh, one, they talked uh, quite a bit uh, with, I believe it was CBS, um, about their uh, the interactions that led her to come forward. Um, listen to this detail 
particularly pay attention to the detail when it comes to the tape recorder. She's an executive assistant. She's doing some dictation for Andrew Cuomo. Listen to the little detail about the tape recorder. So he goes, you were raped. You were raped. You were raped and abused and assaulted. Another key encounter happened on June 5th when Bennett says she was called into Cuomo's office to take dictation and he told her to turn off the tape recorder. Uh And then he explains at that point that he is looking for a girlfriend. He's lonely. He's tired. You've just finished dictation and the governor is telling you he's lonely and looking for a relationship. Yes. He asked if I had trouble enjoying being with someone because of my trauma. This is, seems highly inappropriate. Yeah. The governor asked me if I was sensitive to intimacy. In his office? Yes. During the workday. I mean, that is twisted on so many uh, levels. Now, look. It's not exactly unheard of for a single man to uh, proposition a uh, 25-year-old woman uh, for sexual relations. This is sort of the defining characteristic of many single single men. Uh, But here you have a 63-year-old single man. You have a guy who is the governor and the boss of this particular uh, woman. But way beyond that, because that's normal sort of sexual harassment office stuff, which is really creepy and weird, he's exploiting her sexual assault to try to hook up with her. You see what he's saying here? She, she says, oh, you know, I, she, apparently he known that she had been assaulted in the past. He states it over and over again and over and over again and then asks if uh, if she is uh, if she can handle intimacy. I mean, this is a twisted, twisted guy doing very strange uh, and really inexcusable things, particularly in the office, but really anywhere when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, here's the part where his subtlety is uh, apparently not lost on Charlotte Bennett, uh, that he's basically asking her to have sex. Listen. You have been quoted as saying that he also asked you about if you'd ever been with an older man. Yeah. He asked me if age difference mattered. He also explained that he was fine with anyone over 22. Subtle. And how old are you? Mm. 25. Mm. What were you thinking as he's asking you these questions? I thought, he's trying to sleep with me. The governor's trying to sleep with me. And I'm deeply uncomfortable. And I have to get out of this room as soon as possible. And to be clear, what made you think that he was trying to sleep with you? Without explicitly saying it, he implied to me that I was old enough for him and he was lonely. Uh, uh, Okay, this is the, uh, I mean, I think she comes off as really credible here. It's hard to, I mean, he's not denying that he said these things either, which is a a key, a key ingredient. He's just saying his intent was different. Um, And that is kind of what what uh, Charlotte Bennett addressed here in this last part. You know, Cuomo came out and made this apology, and he said, well, look, I'm really sorry she felt that way. It wasn't my intent. She must have basically misread me. Uh, here was uh, Charlotte Bennett's response. Did you watch Governor Cuomo's apology? I did. It's not an apology. It's not an issue of my feelings. It's an issue of his actions. The fact is that he was sexually harassing me, and he has not apologized for sexually harassing me. And he can't even use my name. 
you know, I, again, some of the stuff is hard to detect and uh, and to know what's real and what isn't. You know, you got two people, two adults in a room, and who knows? You know, how do we know? We don't know. Andrew Cuomo, even though Andrew Cuomo is awful, dot com, uh, he still deserves his uh, his rights to due process and. Just because she says these things happened doesn't mean he should be held accountable for things that, you know, maybe they didn't. He's 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 saying the conversations kind of happened, but he's saying the intent was totally different. So he does deserve that. However, I think, you know, you've we've watched enough of these things uh, in, in the Me Too era to at least get a sense of maybe what you might think is credible. Uh, she seems to come off as credible. Uh, and uh, again, you know, Andrew Cuomo is not really denying any of this stuff took place. He's just saying, well, she should have had a different impression about when I said I'd like to have sex with someone over 22 and I'm lonely. How old are you? 25. You could take that a million different ways, right? Back in a second. Happy to welcome back to the program Brian Sack. He is the host of Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a podcast you should absolutely subscribe to right now. Uh, I will say this week in particular, Brian, I, I just I mean, if you do not hear the Brian and Jack going back and forth about the movie scripts this week, you are missing out on, on an epic, epic journey. <laughs> that was a, that was actually hard to stay straight on. I mean, stay straight face. Right. I, what happened? Yeah. Uh, no, it was very hard to keep a straight face with him reading that. Yeah. Was, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I very much did. And it's something you should definitely check out. Um, I see, Brian, uh, you are either in a city or in a suburban uh, environment with very tall buildings. Um, what I, is the state of affairs up there right now? Well, uh, New York is a little quieter than normal. Uh, we have a curfew. At, I think they move it to 11 p.m. Mm. So. It's the city that never sleeps, but you can't really go out after 11. There's nowhere to go. Uh, it's definitely, the vibe is a little bit different. It's quieter. And uh, I had a guy following me around the grocery store asking for money. And that's a first, actually. That hasn't happened in my 20 years here. Oh, really? They're coming into stores now to... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, because he, he, he knows you know, I'm going to be in a rush. I'm going to have my hands full with bags when I'm leaving the store. So why not get me as I'm uh, perusing the yogurt? Yeah. <laughs> did you give him any Chobani or anything? I mean, how did that go? I, I just pretended he didn't exist. <laughs> you evil bastard. <laughs> kind of turn and you walk away. Mm -hmm, that's kind of the way I used to do it as well. Um, so uh, you are in a place where I, I'm fascinated by the whole New York situation right now because, uh, you know, there's some evidence. Maybe they're at least loosening some of these rules so you can go out and maybe eat inside, maybe eventually see a performance. 25. of 25% right now. Have you yeah. done it yet? Has, have, you, have you ventured? I have. Yeah, I have. I, uh, we ate at a, uh, a, a restaurant indoors uh, outside of Albany a few weeks ago, and I'm still here. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's hard. I, you know, restaurants really can't function at 25%, especially with New York rents. It's not really practical. I'm from, you know, my father is in the restaurant business. I've grown up around restaurants, and it's pretty much common knowledge that you can't uh, make money with your restaurant at 25% capacity. So hopefully they're going to you know, raise that sooner than later. At least they have the outdoor dining, which is great. Uh, um, is it? <laughs> well, not in the winter, no. for sure. Hmm. Uh, watching people shivering, you know, enjoying a, a pint of beer as they shiver. Uh, but I mean, as the weather gets nicer, it'll be nice. And I mean, there's nowhere to park. It's that's that's kind of a pain, but um, that that should help. It, that you can die in the gutter. 
I've been, I've been amazed that uh, the whole watching the Andrew Cuomo thing uh, take place, uh, which has been I don't I mean, I don't even know how to describe it at this point. Every I, I don't want to do Andrew Cuomo as the topic of every single show, but every day there's a massive new development. What does it feel like being there? Uh, in the German word for it is schadenfreude, <laughs> which is the happiness at the misfortune of others. Yes. And uh, I mean, I'm not a Cuomo fan. And I mean, this has been great. Uh, you know, my uh, you know, everybody I know who knows him has no good things to say about him. My doctor went to school with him and was ta- was actually talking about him as I was getting a shot. And that didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a plumber the other day tell me a story about Mr. Cuomo. That was great. Yeah, well, let me bring that up because I wanted to ask you about that specifically. Uh, We have a tweet from Brian Sack. It says, my plumber told me the story of a guy who devastated Andrew Cuomo in a karate match many decades ago. Apparently, the name is like kryptonite to our unsuperhero. I promise to wield this power responsibly. There is absolutely no more responsible way to wield that power than to tell us this story on this program. All right. Well, uh, so according to this uh, plumber, there were two rival dojos mm-hmm. and uh, there was a meet and a gentleman who's I guess his last name was. Can you say his last name? I don't know. Is it, I, I think he, I mean, look, I, you're the one that's going to get sued if you say it. So, yes, that person, so this <laughs> gentleman uh, beat the, uh, the stuffing out of uh, Mr. Cuomo. Mm. And it is a, it is a, an incident that he has never apparently forgotten and will turn him white when he hears the guy's name. So I'm just waiting, waiting oh for my, my chance. Oh, my gosh. I want, I, if you give me the name, I will print shirts with the name and send them to thousands of New Yorkers. All right. I'm, I'll, I'll send you an email. Right. I mean, you know, you know, don't, yeah, but this is, you know, this is not fully sourced. It's not like New Yorker fact checking. Oh, yeah. No, I know. It's, you know, uh, yeah. The plot told me, but, uh. Well, again, you know, we don't have to explain why the name's on the shirt. We just have, to, it's just a random name on a shirt. That doesn't, yeah. we don't have to Good say. Point. He'll yeah. know. He'll know, Brian. That's what I'm actually have the guy's name for governor. How's that? Oh, gosh. I love it. I love it. OK, we're, we're doing this. This is going to be fun. Um, uh, I, I'm amazed, too. Like, you know, I would say like the least popular person in the entire state of New York is Bill de Blasio. Like he somehow wins elections. But like I no New Yorker I've ever met has liked the guy yet. No, no. Is that, that's the right vibe, right? Yeah, you can you can walk down the street saying I don't like Bill de Blasio and nobody's going to give you any lip. I mean, he's right. he's it's a bipartisan thing. They don't like him. But he, somehow he continually can, he keeps beating Andrew Cuomo in these public moments. Like he'll say something and it seems like de Blasio is the sane one of the two. How is that possible? I, I mean, he's just, he's it's for him. He's getting his revenge now because he's kind of been a, a whipping boy for uh, mm. for. Uh, Cuomo for a long time, and now he has this chance to throw Cuomo under a bus. Oh, and he's he is enjoying it more than I do uh, having the T-shirts. Like he, oh this is a moment for him. Yeah, because he's been. I mean, that, that you know, Cuomo has rubbed his face in so much stuff so many times. So the payback must be wonderful. But yeah, not not a big De Blasio fan. <laughs> uh, tell me about uh, this. There's this new bill uh, that's going through potentially going through Congress um, to restrict people who are in Congress from buying and selling stocks. I mean, on its face, it kind of sounds like it might be a decent idea. Yeah, but they've had these decent ideas before, and then the decent idea gets watered down a little bit. Mm. And then when the decent idea becomes law, it's got so many loopholes in it that it's no longer a decent idea. It's just kind of, and, you know, that's kind of what I see this going, because they did have, they've had these things in the past, but they always get kind of 
watered down or changed so that these guys can insider trade because it, it, there's good money in it. Yeah, because really, that's the problem you have to solve is if these guys don't have the ability to insider trade when they're in office, we're going to be paying for them because they'll probably be homeless. They have no skill sets. They're going to leave right. office and they're, we're going to have to pay for all of their uh, housing for the rest of their lives. Right. So, I mean, this is just a, like throwing them a bone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, million, uh, you, want, you want an election, you get some free millions of dollars. I mean, that's just the sort of thing I think we do as a nice society. You know, you learn all these things in closed door committees. It's a shame not to do something with it. Right. Um, can you tell me the story? This this one I have not heard anything about. So you are totally, uh, I guess, the authority in my life on this. Uh, there's a there's a there's a disagreement among Catholics, apparently, yeah. as to who the Pope is. I, I don't. What, what is happening? Apparently, there's like the, this hardcore group of Catholics who are convinced that uh, Benedict is still the Pope. <laughs> and, and he's just like, no, I'm not the Pope. No, I guess you are. You didn't step down willfully. They forced you out. And he's like, nope, I, I'm not the Pope. I, I, don't, I didn't want to be the Pope anymore. And, and they just won't believe it. And so he's, like, he's basically telling these people constantly, like, listen, I'm, I'm not the Pope. Francis is the Pope. Stop calling me Pope. <laughs> Although he lives at the Vatican. You know, he's got a nice house and stuff. Mm -hmm. But he's not a Pope. He can't do Pope things, <laughs> but they, they are convinced that he's still the Pope, that he just, you know, he didn't leave office uh, on his own. It's good to see that everyone has their conspiracy theories. Like there's not. I, you can't escape it. No, it's unbelievable. I, I really don't know. This is one of those things where I, I've been reading a little, you know, where apparently now we are. Uh, we have a 47 foot fence going up uh, around the Capitol that will be there until the end of time. Uh, we're going to Berlin our Berlin wall uh, ourselves in, <laughs> away from our representatives uh, because everyone's so scared about what could happen with QAnon and all these different conspiracy theories. And like at some level, you know, the the media and, and the government are always going to take these things uh, out of proportion. Um, yeah. But. But it is, it's an interesting, I am fascinated by that conspiracy mindset. Like you get to that point where you won't believe, I mean, in this case, even the person you're talking about, you don't even believe. But it's normally right. things like people will not be, believe the news, they won't believe their relatives, they won't believe their friends. Every single person is wrong, except for that one, you know, uh, Antelope 2719 on, uh, on, on MySpace, who's point, posting these crazy theories. And even when, with the QAnon thing, when Trump comes in and he's no, not inaugurated and Biden becomes president and he's making all the speeches, they still come out with ways to justify that they were right the whole time. Although it doesn't help that Biden hasn't showed his face for like 45 days. <laughs> <laughs> That's not doing us any favors. No, no, it's not. But, I mean, everything's, everything's a conspiracy. Everybody's an expert. You know, everybody knows more than everybody else based on something they saw or Googled. What did uh, Jenny McCarthy call it? Google University. She went to Google University. That's how she knows vaccines don't work. Right. Google University. You know, the thing about Google University is it says all things, like all available yes, answers to every question. Yeah. So that that's... Every time I Google something, I, I have cancer. It's right. like, you know, you know, what's the temperature? It's, uh, you have cancer. No, no. Oh, just wanted the weather. Uh, uh, Brian Sack, uh, he's the host of Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a fantastic podcast. I love listening to it. Brian, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, anytime you have any new, um, you know, storylines on who the Pope is, please make sure to let us know. I, I will let you know what my sources tell me. All right. <laughs> and we're getting those shirts printed up. Your source, okay. I actually, you, your sources are legitimate today. We're getting plumber, uh, plumber karate shirts made up very soon. 
I will email you the information. The deets. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Brad Sack, thanks a lot. Back in a second. Bye, Stu. All right, uh, head writer, uh, Blaze personality extraordinaire, Jason Buttrell joins me. Uh, Jason, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm fascinated at your perspective here on what is going on at the Capitol. Uh, we are seeing now, I think there's going to be, um, they're going to dome it. Uh, they're going to put um, machine guns on the outside firing as to anyone who comes within a thousand feet of the, the dome. And they're going to arrest anyone who enters the general area around Washington, D.C. I mean, they're, they're going so far and acting as if this is the most serious threat the American people have ever faced. Well, Stu, yesterday, I mean, it was predicted. And of course, right on cue, <laughs> it was a coordinated assault of like 20,000 yeah. uh, militia groups, you not know, just I people. Missed, I missed that. You missed that? Oh, yeah. oh, that didn't happen, did it? No, okay. it, didn't, it was talked about quite a bit. That's why I thought it actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, this is insane to me, right, Stu? So... In the past, if there was a threat, uh, let's say to a president, let's say to Congress, you mm -hmm. know, the building in general, the Secret Service, in case it was a threat to the president, would go to the house of the person, their place of business, and question them. Mm -hmm. um, or if uh, it was like Congress or something like that, the FBI would probably show up. Question them one-on-one. -on -one, like, what is going on? Why did you say this? Are you a threat? Then if they deemed them a threat, they would move from there. That hasn't happened here. So basically, and I cannot believe the power of like... QAnon <laughs> or something like that, but they are dictating every single move that the, uh, the, the government is doing right now. They write something stupid, you know, on their on their whatever, their chat rooms or yeah. whatever, mm -hmm. and you instantly get a government response. This is insanity. I've never even heard of something like this before. Yeah, it's QAnon controlling the government. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. That's what's going on. Well, and, and to step back for a second, I, I think like to, to play a little devil's advocate here. I would have made this argument and have made this argument a million times. Like people always talk about this right wing threat in this country and it never manifests itself. I mean, yeah, you can go back to Timothy McVeigh if you want to consider him right wing. You can find individual examples. But I mean, like, there's nothing even close to the scale of what we saw this summer. I mean, uh, nothing. And they always say that these threats are coming. They're always they're always on the horizon. And we've always been able to say, well, yeah, they don't happen. Well, January 6th did happen. This was related certainly to QAnon and, uh, you know, some of these uh, various sort of uh, extreme groups, you know, I, they try to tie it into regular Trump supporters, but I, th I don't think people bought that. But they do buy the idea that this sort of conspiracy theory group and, and, and these militias were trying to do something really bad. And it was a bad, bad day in our history. So now that that's been said and the, the talk about that day was that these guys were announcing this on social media in advance and the Capitol Police were not prepared. How can they ignore it this time? Well, to go back to January 6th riot, there's a big difference between, you know, QAnon and let's say the three percenters or whatever militia yeah. group is out there. They were the ringleaders and they were saying, hey, let's all gather here. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, Trump's going to be speaking. It's going to be awesome. Um, let's all, you know, everyone, will you take your orders from us? And this is our thing. And uh, we're going to violently, you know, push our way into the Capitol. That's not how it happened. There were tons, there were thousands of regular people that just showed up with their families sure. crying out loud. Mm -hmm. um, this was not an organized, coordinated, like massive assault on the Capitol. Um, so, but what they're trying to do is they're trying to pin this on, an, you know, an act like that. They're trying to make it seem like that. And not only that, but everyone on the right is associated in some way, shape, form, right. you know, way. Um, 
that's not the case either. But that's the way they're trying to pull this out of. I, 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 can, I see what you're saying and, you know, taking it more um, seriously if, uh, if they're going to uh, be meeting up. But you need more than just a blog or chat room post mm -hmm. to take it as serious as they're doing. Yeah. So we have the equivalent of a military, I think a division that's still, uh, well, maybe like a regiment, like a military regiment that is permanently there, it feels like, at the Capitol. And they're saying it's going to stay there for 60 days or more. This is this is absolute insanity. Mm. This, this, is, this, this is nuts. It, the, the, the threat does not warrant that. Now, if you get actual intelligence besides chat room banter mm -hmm. that there is an imminent threat, then you deploy, of course. You do something about it. Right. Oh, and, and, and also you can make, um, you know, uh, less obvious and restrictive maneuvers, right? Like, if there's no reason to believe these guys are capable of taking out you know, some large group of people, uh, you know, in the that are, you know, especially like military and security personnel. You could add some personnel quietly. You could you could maybe have some uh, plainclothes officers out there looking for things. There are steps you can take that aren't walling off the entire capital yeah. for an endless period of time. Right. And yeah, actually, I will walk back what I just said, because now in the past, that's not how they would operate. If they did get something more credible, they wouldn't just throw a military regiment or a division out no, there. No. They would go to the actual people. They would go, let's say it was the three percenters that you said that they got word that they were going to plan something. They would go to one of their uh, locations yeah. and talk to them. So uh, I, I, I'm, I, I do check in on the Twitters uh, every once in a while. And I've seen this type of vibe over and over again from conservatives, which and I never enter any of these things believing I'm the smartest person thinking about it. I know I'm not. So when I listen to these things, I see a lot of people who are very sure about what this means. They're like, if you don't know what this means, you're an idiot. If you don't see what's happening here, you're dumb. And I, uh, if you don't see what's happening here, you're not following it. And I, it's like, well, I am following it. Uh, and I think I understand what they're insinuating here. But what what does this actually mean for the American conservative? Well, I see this in two different ways. Uh, I, I, well, I see them benefiting in two ways off of this. One. Um, they know there's 70, there's a, a massive amount of people voted for Donald Trump, 74 mm -hmm. million, 74 something million. like that. Um, this election broke records. Mm -hmm. With that amount of people, with everyone as charged up as they are, they know that if they're, if they're free to go out and protest peacefully, uh, demonstrate peacefully, you might have something on the scale of what happened to Donald Trump in 2016, 2017, and actually all the way through his uh, presidency. They, there was marches out like crazy. Tax, tax marches, women's marches, mm -hmm. marches for our lives, um, you know, nonstop, nonstop protests. Um, they don't want 74 million people. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be that many, but they don't want large amounts of people that, you know, clearly show that the country has divided as it is. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they, don't, they don't want that appearance. Okay. So what does that really mean? That means that they were giving their First Amendment uh, rights. You are not. You are not being given your First Amendment rights. And how do they do that? Well, again, that goes along with this. They are trying to paint us all as the small minority of people that rallied people to push from a peaceful demonstration into a violent riot. They want us all categorized and grouped into mm -hmm. that. And if you want to know where this is going, the scary part of this, I was just reading a New York Times article, um, and it was talking about what's going on in Germany right now. So the third largest party in Germany, in, in their parliament, is called Alternative for, for Alternative for Germany, AFD. Um, they're a right wing party. Um, some, right wing party. They're a right wing party. Okay. Some of them are a little bit more crazy than the others, mm -hmm. um, but they're trying to be told that they're racist and all that stuff. Sound very familiar to hear. Um, they do have some a little bit more far out there, but it doesn't justify what they're 
what they're doing. So a court said that the uh, their version of the FBI can surveil them, can spy on them, tap their phones, treat them basically as Al Qaeda, um, an opposition political party, an opposition political party. So they obviously raised hell. Hmm. Um, they sent their lawyers over, and now it's halted in their in their government uh, in their courts, but it's still moving forward. So, now, sorry. So the goal is essentially to to elevate the danger of the American right. Yes. At, at whole, not just Proud Boys and one per, uh, three percenters and, and Oath Keepers, but everybody. And who they can group in with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And bring that into, these people are a threat, therefore we can... What we can, can we do? What can we do? We can cross these lines, we can not let them gather here, we can spy on them there. Yeah, and, it, and that is not a, a big leap to take, because later on down in that article, they say, well, it kind of reminds you, this is the New York Times, remember, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds you of what happened January 6th, the growing number of uh, right-wing movements here in the United States, right. yada, yada, yada. They're um, trying to tie it together. They're trying to tie it together. And they're shouting that with one of the, the biggest bullhorns they have, the mainstream media right now. You're, it's being echoed within the halls of Congress, within the government as well, um, within Biden's administration. Do the American people put up with this? I mean, just from the visuals of it, like one of the justifications of the reason why the Capitol Police were not uh, able to, to respond or have the presence that they should have had that day and to have the military come in later, National Guard and such, the reason why they weren't supposed to go in there, there was talk about people didn't like the the, the visuals of it. They didn't like the optics of like a bunch of mili- armed military guys out there in front of the Capitol. This is supposed to be a different country. Um, now we're at a point where you got barbed wire all around the place. You can't get within a thousand feet of it. Yeah. I mean, we are so far past this. Will the American people just say, okay, well, that's okay. The new normal is we never get to go close to our own uh, elected officials ever again. Well, I mean, that's what the sucky thing about January 6th is the small amount of crazies justified it for them. Yeah. You know, it justified them to take the, that's why we were all so furious. Like, yeah. not only because of the, the, cr- the crime that was happening, but what are you doing? You're giving them everything that they say that we are, which we're not. Um, I, 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 I would, it seems like right now the country is in this mode of how can you save me? Um, mm-hmm. How can you save me on COVID? How can you, you know, put the mask on? Okay, sure, I'll put the mask on, whatever. Get the vaccine, whatever, just tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, they're being, you know, pr- we're being protected from those crazy white wing nut jobs. So if that means, you know, screwing posse comitatus, you know, or whatever, um, deploying the military indefinitely in certain places, uh, I-, I feel like people are in that mode. I guess it really depends on how far are they willing to be pushed before someone collectively says, Come on, give us a little, all you, all they really have to do is be a little more transparent. I could be wrong if they said, okay, look, this is what justified everything we're doing right now. This is what it is. If I read that and I was like, oh, dang, that's pretty crazy. Uh, But they won't do that. They won't do that. All they'll tell us is online banter from chat rooms. Get out of here with that. that No, that does not justify. Uh, I think one of the things that is playing into this and playing into it in so many other things, so many other ways, is this idea that we kind of are living in two countries, I think, more than ever before. For sure. Two, you know, the, old, the old John Edwards, like, we live in two Americas, you know, meaning the rich and the poor. Uh, it's got nothing to do with it. Right now, we are in, a, in an area where, like, you have, for, like, say for COVID purposes, you have, um, you have states that are leaning towards freedom and states that are leaning away from it, right? And that difference is massive right now. People that come down here from Connecticut and New York and and all these uh, California are they can't believe the life that's going on here. Right. And they have this impression that we are down here just like sneezing each other's faces all the time. (laughs) And they're up there being safe. 
The same thing happens here where like you, you say um, they the left is convinced that the right. I mean, you, I don't know if you saw this comment by Joy Reid the other day. She basically said, you know, like P, the, the American right would give up every single tax cut they could ever get as long as they could use the, the N word. Yeah. It's like there's literally no one I've ever met in my entire life who thinks that way. No one. Right. Zero people in my life I've ever met that thinks that way. But that's what she thinks of the entire half of the country. How do you how, how do you solve that? Well, you know, as a first off, as a libertarian ish conservative, mm-hmm. um, I'm not giving up anything for all the tax cuts in the world. That's everything <laughs> else is off the table. You're giving me that. I'm not giving anything. up. Um, but no, it's 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 their way of uh, that's what the left does. Right. They, they they've been trying to uh, paint us all as that right there. She's I think she said everyone on the right. Yeah. So all of us, if we're left of right of center, we're all racist. And you know, what, Stu, it's our fault. Um, it's our fault because we lost the culture war. We lost everything in the 1960s. And I, I was just on the um, yeah, just on the news talking about this. I'm a broken record. It's kind of like my my next farm bill. Yeah, Stu. yeah. Oh no. Um, but you know, the war on poverty, LBG, was catastrophic. Oh, agree completely. Grew up. They drew up their playbook, and it was, oh, you don't agree with this massive welfare state. Um, you hate black people. Um, you're bigots. Uh, you're C- not coming from, not by the way, a president who used the N word yeah. like it was a, a, a pronoun. Exactly. I mean. Uh, Ugh. I again, I very underconsidered for the worst president in American totally history, agree. LBJ. I, I, I don't know how he gets a pass on this. He was absolutely a disaster and was responsible for almost all of our, our financial problems, as well as many of the cultural ones. Um, we got to leave it there, though, Jason. Uh, Jason Buttrell, head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck here at Blaze TV. Speaking of Blaze TV, you can see Jason on News and Why It Matters as part of your subscription. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Thanks for coming on the program, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Back in a second. It's one of the most beautiful writing utensils ever crafted right here. The Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. It's back in stock. I've heard already updates that they're going really fast. Don't miss them. Nancy Pelosi sucks pen.com. We also have the T-shirts and the mugs and everything else. Check out all, all the whole line at studosmerch.com. Quick update for you. Uh, Democrats have been wanting to defund police for the last year. Then the January 6th thing happened. Now they love the police. They want a 20% increase in capital police budget. It's interesting because they apparently want the police there to protect them, but when it's regular citizens, they don't care at all. Uh, I want to give you this tweet from Joy Reid before we go, who is, I, I don't say this lightly, probably the most insane person in our political discourse. Probably the single most insane person on political television right now. Listen to this tweet. I'll say it again. People on the right would trade all the tax cuts Uh, for the ability to openly say the N-word like the good old days. To them, not being able to be openly racist and discriminatory without consequence is oppression. Trump is the avatar for this freedom. That is just like straight out on crack insane. Like that is like you need to be locked up in a mental institution insane. There is no one in the world who's like, I've literally in my life never met anyone who wants to say the N-word, let alone would trade tax cuts for it. It's so completely ridiculous. Uh, but that's Joy Reid for you. Uh, and one uh, little good nugget of news, I think. We've been complaining about all these businesses being shut down. Things are starting to open up. Maybe the, 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 you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is coming. Sonny Bunch, who's been on this program before uh, a few times, uh, tweets this, some good news. 
Um, some movies are moving back, but A Quiet Place 2 is now moving up. It's now scheduled for Memorial Day weekend. It had been penciled in for mid-September. Yes! Bring the movies back. Bring the restaurants back. Let's go!